0: No, I'm not gonna be singing. I just thought, uh, why not switch it up a little bit? Usually you guys have people uh, preaching from the pulpit, but I sometimes like to walk around a little bit. It helps me think. um, Brother Sam, right? He had a really good thought on decisions, on choices, and each one of us always has a choice, whether we brush our teeth, whether we come here, whether we get up in the morning, whether we read our Bibles, um, just like David had a choice to abstain from sin, right? Each one of us has a choice and each one of our choices, it establishes the trajectory of our life. Each and every one of our decisions sets the course for our life. If I can get the PowerPoint to working, that'd be great, please. Every decision we make, big or small, sets us up for the future Um, today I want to talk about living on purpose and living with a purpose as the new year started I started a fast I started a fast and one of my prayers during this fast was uh, for God to reveal to me my purpose but this kind of fast in this in this idea for a purpose was from the from the angle of like career and my potential in the marketplace right like what am i good at what can i do to bring the most amount of value to people and at the same time really enjoy it and be happy and at the same time make money doing it right what kind of everybody always wants right especially the guys like yes amen i want that in my life i want to i want to do what i love not have to work a day in my life make a ton of money doing it and and just be happy um, it exists, right? It exists. But I did another fast last week, and I kind of had a similar um, need and prayer before God. But this time, it was a little bit different. This time, for some reason, I didn't feel like praying and fasting about just a purpose in the marketplace. What can I do to make money and be happy doing it, right? Um, but it, was more, it started to like morph, and it started to kind of change into... What is my purpose overall as a human being in general, right? I'm plugged into church. I, I come to church every other, almost every day of the week. Um, I absolutely love ministry. I love what I do. Um, there's so many things I love and enjoy doing for work, right? I'm, I'm just, I, there's a lot of things that I do, but you know, like you're always looking for a purpose and a reason for why you exist. Like, why, am I, why do I exist? Is it just to do everything, is it to experiment with everything? Is it to be maximally effective and efficient in everything that we do? Um, and God started to kind of open up and show me that each individual, each person, including myself, including you, have a purpose in life. And there, it's not just a purpose of your career to be, to be a nurse or to be an influencer or to be, a, um, I don't know, what else other kind of occupation that you really want to do, that you really enjoy doing, uh, a trainer or, um, you know, a, a blogger, whatever it may be, it's, it's, there, that's just like, that's a purpose that's small on the grand scheme of things, right? But then there's this purpose that each individual has, but that's been given to them by God. And God gives you a purpose. We call it our will, but we think what we will and what we want is our purpose. But it, in reality, it is God's will and God, what God wants in our lives, which is our purpose. There's a passage in Scripture, Acts 13.36. Acts 13.36 says, Now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep, or he passed away. After he had served his own generation by the will of God, he passed away. And I was thinking, you know what, wouldn't that be a wonderful way to die? After you have served your purpose, after you have done God's will in your life, you, you go to sleep essentially, you go to sleep and you wake up in heaven and you get your reward. and God says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have accomplished what I have set out for you to do. And I think that should be kind of like our inner motto. God, what is my purpose? What is your will for my life? So then when I fall asleep, I can fall asleep with a smile on my face, knowing I have full well done what you have instructed and you have wanted me to do. And purpose, like we see on the screen, is just the reason for which something exists, something is done, and something is made. Everything in our life has a purpose, right? Your cell phone was designed by someone for a specific purpose, for a purpose of communication, for a purpose of working. Shoes are designed for a purpose of What? Keeping your feet warm and unscathed from the elements, right? At the same time, protecting them. Clothes are created with a purpose to clothe you, to give you warmth, to protect you from the elements. Everything that you see is is made with a purpose. But sometimes we feel like we, as human beings, are made with this ambiguous purpose. We don't really know what our purpose is. And the problem with that is that sometimes we think that our purpose is, and I've used this analogy before, but say, for example, a volleyball, it is designed with the purpose of being volleyed with the fingers, right? I know some of you guys love volleyball and that's great and that's awesome. The volleyball is used and it's designed in a specific way to be soft enough that it doesn't stub your fingers, that it doesn't break your fingers, but hard enough that you can spike and that you can score. Well imagine playing volleyball with a bowling ball, right? It, it wouldn't be the same. You wouldn't have the same game. You would break your arms. I mean, and vice versa. Imagine bowling and trying to knock down the pins with a volleyball. You probably get one pin down at the most, as hard as you throw that thing, right? It just doesn't roll the same. It doesn't, it's not designed for that. Well, we as God's children, sometimes we feel like our purpose is to be a bowling ball. And so we get on the volleyball court and we're like, all right, we're here. We're, we, we exist and we we're here to, to serve our purpose as a volleyball, but we're a bowling ball, right? And so in essence, what we're designed to do is knock down pins, but we're in the wrong place, serving the wrong purpose, not knowing that we're designed to be knocking down bowling pins. And in the process, we're hurting other people. The volleyball players are going to hate you, right, for being there. Why? Because you're, you can't create the same atmosphere in the same game for them. And so I think that's why it's really important for us to know our purpose in life. What is our purpose? What is the reason for why I'm alive, right? Obviously, the reason isn't because you have, you have evolved from a little organism, right, went up the, the, the food chain, and now somehow you're a human being. You exist without a purpose, right? That's the secular worldview of evolution. No, we have been designed david says in, in his psalms that you knew me in my mo- in my mother's womb you have designed me you have knit me together you have made me and if david says that each one of us can say that you have a specific purpose and you have a talent you have an ability you have a knack you have something that your neighbor does not have you also have weaknesses and challenges that no other person has but you have been given your personality your temperament your abilities the place that you're at to serve a specific purpose. And that's what I wanna talk about today. I wanna to talk about that purpose for why we are made, why we exist, why do we do the things that we do? Are we a bowling ball on a volleyball court or are we a, or are we a volleyball on, in a bowling alley? Ask yourself these questions rhetorically. Where I exist, am I maximizing my efforts, am I blessing the people around me or should I reconsider what I'm doing? purpose gives your life meaning will is what you want to do purpose is what you're meant to do a lot of times we have our not a lot of times all the time we have our own will and we think god i have this strength and i have this ability and i'm really good at this one thing so i think this is what i'm designed to do this is what i've been made to do and so we do it because that's our will and we think just because we have that will, that's what God wants us to do. But our will is our want. And our want isn't always what our purpose is. It's not what we were designed to do. If our want is to get rich and famous and build a huge business, right? And we say, oh, you know, God, I'm, I'm going to do it for your glory. I'm going to start tithing 110% of all of my profits. And just, just make me a millionaire so I can make, you know, a million dollars A month whatever right and God is gonna be for your glory that's your will that's your human want that's your human desire but that's not your purpose because God has created you maybe he you are really good with money maybe you're great at making money maybe you'd make a fantastic businessman but maybe that's not your purpose and that's why it's important for you to realize who you are where you're at in life and do what you're meant to do not what you will to do will is good will is fine In the meantime, until you find your purpose, until you discover purpose. Why? Because knowing God's will allows us to live on purpose. That's why it's really important to know what God's will for us really is. And I wanted to go through, um, but before I do that, God's will is for his glory and satisfaction and pleasure, and it is perfect. Every time we see in Scripture God's will for someone or for something to do something, it is always perfect. It is always for the greater good. It is always to benefit and to bless the maximum amount of people. And His will is perfect. Our will is for our glory, our satisfaction, and our pleasure, and it's always flawed. Our will is always selfish. Our will is always to expand our own boundaries, expand our own selves, to develop our own selves, but not to serve and benefit the most amount of people. When we look at the life of Jesus Christ, he didn't come and say, you know what? I'm going to read a bunch of books. I'm going to get into business. I'm going to become this great king on the throne and people are going to come to me and they're going to bow and worship and I'm going to get all of the Roman guards to come and worship me and and all of the kings and all of the peasants and I'm just going to be this top G, right? Jesus didn't come as a top G to be worshiped. He didn't come as a person that other people can look up to and say, oh man, I want to be cool like him. Jesus came as a servant. Why? To create the maximum amount of good for the maximum amount of people. He didn't come to be a cool guy. He came to serve. And that was his purpose. But his, the purpose of the Father for the, for the Son of Jesus Christ was perfect. Was Jesus' life perfect? Perfect. Yes. Well, in essence, it was. Was his life easy? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But it was perfect. So if we are the followers of Jesus Christ, can we expect our life to be easy and good and just on, at the top, right? The cream of the crop. We're just, we're just awesome. We have everything in life. If that's what you want, you're, you're, in, the wrong, you're in the wrong place. Christianity is not that place. It is a a road of rejection, it's a road of hardship, of challenges, of difficulties, but God will hold your hand through it, and he will guide you, and and he will help you, okay? So today the question is, will you decide to live for your glory or for God's? Are you going to live out your will, or are you going to live out God's will? Because your will is not your purpose. Your will is just your wants, your desires, And it's okay to have your wants and desires up until a point where you realize this want and this desire is not God's want and desire for your life. And I wanna talk about five ways of finding your purpose in God's will. If you guys have your pens and papers ready, feel free to write this stuff down. If not, take notes on your phone or take mental notes. But I found there's five very easy, very practical ways for us to find God's purpose in our life. And And I talk about this because in my experience, in my experience, the things that I have realized the most, the most beneficial have always been the most simple, basic, rudimentary things. Things like number one, to read the Bible. And it's, it's funny to me how often that is preached from the pulpit, how important it is to read God's Word, how important it is to be in His Word, how important it is to, to study and to meditate and to examine His Word. But we kind of let that fly over and we're waiting for the next big thing. We're waiting for somebody to say, you know, um, run 30 laps around the church uh, singing this song and then go dip yourself in in the river seven times. And all of a sudden you're going to get superpowers and you'll be perfect and you'll be holy. And all of a sudden God's going to speak to you in an audible voice. We always expect something supernatural. But God doesn't work that way. Yes, God is a supernatural God. Yes, he does work in supernatural ways, but we can't expect something supernatural from God when he tells you the basic elementary things. I want you to read my word. I have left you my will right here in a book. Why aren't you reading it? And oftentimes we go go to prayer, we go to prayer services, we go places and we're like, God, I want to know your will for my life. And God's like, it's right here. Just read it. It's right here. Everything you need to know is right here. And the more you read God's word, the more it will open up to you. And yes, God's gonna have a specific purpose for your life. And your purpose in your life is gonna be a little bit different from your neighbor's. Maybe drastically different, but it's gonna be different. But the only way you can realize that difference in your, your path that you're supposed to walk is by being in his word. Joshua 1:8 says, keep this book of the law always on your lips, lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. So oftentimes in our life, we look for prosperity and success in, in the world, right? I understand there's a lot of, a lot of psychology that backs prosperity and success in, in the secular world through books, through teachings, courses, all of those things. It exists. But if you're trying to attain the success of health or wealth or wisdom or happiness in and of itself just for that just for that happiness just for that wealth just for that gain once you get there there's nothing there because your pursuit is not the pursuit of God it's not the pursuit of his word it's not a holistic approach see God will give you success in any in every area that he deems necessary but if you pursue a specific area because it's your will and you just really want it because, I don't know, you want to show off to other people or you want to show status that you've attained something or achieved something once you get there, there's no fulfillment. But there is fulfillment through God's Word. So, we read His Word to know His will. Number two, finding your purpose in God's will is to pray consciously. And I say consciously because this is very important. More often than not, we pray and we come on our knees and we pray and oftentimes we don't even know what to say. We just pray. We just, okay, if I can speak in tongues, all of a sudden I'll just speak in tongues and then something comes to my mind, I'll, I'll pray about it. And, and if nothing comes to my mind, I just stand there quietly and I look around, you know, or we wake up in the morning, we're like, God, good morning, bless my day, help me be successful and great today, help me not get into a car accident. And then we go to sleep and we kind of do the same thing. And it's just rhythmic, right? It's just prayer. It's just, hey, I'm saying something to God. I'm expecting something, but we don't pray consciously. And I think it's very important for us to add that word consciously, to pray with intention, to pray while we're thinking about what we're praying, not just to pray just for the sake of praying, because God doesn't need your words, right? When Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray, he didn't say, all right, guys, say as many words as you possibly can. I'm sure some of them will stick, and I'm sure eventually God's going to hear you. No, Jesus said, pray with intention. Don't just babble. Don't just say a bunch of nonsense. Say this say something very specific, what's in your heart, what's on your mind, speak those things. If we look at Matthew 6, 6, it says, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will will reward you. This doesn't mean you need to have a specific room in your house, a closet uh, with clothes hanging there. And, you know, people say, oh, I don't have a closet. I don't have a specific prayer room. So I'm just not going to pray. Right? I, my parents didn't build, didn't build or buy a house with a prayer closet, so I just don't have one, so I, this doesn't apply to me. No, you go to this prayer closet, meaning you go to this place in your mind and in your heart where you can think about what you're saying. Where you can basically write God a letter right, to this place where it's just closed. It's just you and him. Don't let any distractions come your way. Turn off the music if it's distracting. If it's, if it's not distracting, you turn it on right? Get away from the people. Get away from your phone, for goodness sake. That thing's just going to be keep beeping and pinging you and taking you off, you know, uh, uh, taking your mind off of prayer. But you open up to God. And when you open up to God, you start to understand yourself. Have you guys ever had that? I love to take prayer walks. I, I, I especially enjoy prayer walks more than just, you know, praying on my knees. I do both. But I live by Chambers Bay and I love to just walk around Chambers Bay and I just sometimes leave my phone at home just because I want to disconnect. Um, And I'll walk and I'll pray and what I've realized over the years is that when I'm praying, right, again, consciously, I'm I'm thinking about what I'm saying to God. I'm not just saying a bunch of stuff like a shotgun, like, hey, I hope some of this sticks, God, and I hope you answer some of these things. But I'm praying consciously. I understand what I'm praying. I'm thinking through, I'm analyzing what I'm saying. And more often than not, I start to understand myself. Like, whoa, where is that coming from? Why do I really want what I'm praying about? And I start to understand, wait, that that motive right there, that's a selfish motive. And I stop myself. And I say, God, I'm sorry. That was actually a selfish prayer. But you know what? That wouldn't happen if your closet doors are wide open, if you've got so many distractions, right? If your prayer is not conscious, if you're not really thinking and analyzing what you're saying, you're not going to really even understand yourself. So prayer allows you to understand yourself better you understand your position with god as well as him to hear what you are saying so pray consciously to open up to god and to understand your own thoughts because when you do understand your own thoughts you get a better idea of where and what position you're praying from number 3 listen to others advice and counsel in proverbs 19:20 and this is probably like every other verse in proverbs It says, listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. Why? Why listen to to others' advice and others' counsel? To understand how, how you are and where people see you. Advice and instruction and counsel are sometimes hard to swallow. Why? Because we don't really want to agree with the things that people say. But what I've realized over the years, in my experience, is that people oftentimes can see and understand you from the side a lot better than you can. They see your ministry. They see your movements. They see what you're doing, right? You're in the moment. You're not paying attention to yourself, but people are paying attention to you, and they can tell you, hey, This one area in your life, you were really good at that. When you were, like, doing this one thing, people were just being blessed. Hey, when you were saying these things, people were actually getting hurt. Or, hey, there's this strength that you have. You should, like, focus on on that strength. You should develop that strength, that ability. Right? When people counsel you, when they advise you, usually it's for your good. Usually it's for your good. I'm not talking about, um, what's that word? When you, um gossip gossip I'm, I'm not talking about gossip right people will always talk negative that's that's gossip that's different i'm talking about like wise counsel advice like hey brother you need to really reconsider doing this service or this ministry it's not really your strength it's not really you know that kind of thing because then you can really understand who you are a lot better that advice will help you understand who you are and how you are and that can help you understand your purpose. When I, was, um, when I started uh, my ministry back in Bible college when I got married, um, the, at that time, the director of Bible college noticed something in me that I didn't notice in myself. And he said, you know what, Andre, I want you to come and help out in the office. I see you have specific strengths. And ever since then, I've been called out into ministry. And that's one more thing that I wanted to mention. Your calling. A lot of people expect your calling to be some kind of awakening in the middle of the night with this thundering, booming voice from the Lord saying, You shall do this, and you shall go and and preach my my word to the ends of the earth, and you need to go to Mexico. Like, God doesn't, God rarely speaks to you like that, right? Your calling isn't a supernatural calling. Think of your calling this way somebody in the leadership or an elder noticed a strength in you, noticed an ability in you, and they called you to ministry. Now that is your calling. Now you may stay in that ministry for the rest of your life and develop that ministry, or you may go from one ministry to another and define your purpose. But your calling is when, when you know, your leader Andre comes up to you and says, brother, I see you have potential to preach. Take that as a calling from God because God's not going to come down to your bed in a booming, thundering voice, and tell you to preach. I mean, I I highly doubt that. That just, that rarely happens. If you're expecting that, you're going to be waiting for a calling to the day you die. Your calling is when someone calls you out to do something in the body of Christ. So be careful to listen to what people say. Number three. Number four, sorry. To be active in church. 1 Peter 4.10 says, As each has received a gift. Who has received a gift? Raise your hand if you've received a gift. You guys are very timid. The Bible says each each that means in you and 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 you, 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 each one of you has been given a gift, a talent, an ability, a strength. Use it to serve who Myself Use it to for my glory, for my gain, for my fame, for my fortune, for my status, for my stars up here that, oh, I'm, I'm preaching on, on stage. Absolutely not. You use it to serve one another. See, that's the biggest difference between your will as a human being and God's will. God's will is always to serve other people. Why? Because when Jesus came, he said, I am among you as the one who serves. I didn't come to be served. I came here to wash your feet. I came here as your master, as your Lord, as God. But I came to serve. And in like manner, you guys are supposed to be also serving. You don't serve yourself. You serve God. As good stewards of God's very grace, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, right? Again, God supplies. God gives you this stuff. It's not of your own accord, Me being able to stand here and preach or teach is not because I'm some special person that took a bunch of classes or somehow I've developed myself to the point of being able to publicly speak. No, it's something that God has innately given me, right? And I'm using it for his glory. I don't want it for myself. And that's why He says God supplied it. God gives it to you in order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Ask yourself the question, whatever you're doing, does God get glorified through it? When you're singing on stage in worship, when you're preaching, or when you're setting up chairs and whatever, or you're helping somebody, are you doing it for God's glory or are you doing it for your own? Or are you doing it for your own? So be active in church. To see your strengths and abilities and talents. See, when you can be faithful in the little, you know what the Bible says? God will set you on much. He will, he will graduate you from one step to, to another. I uh, just re- recently got done uh, reading the story of Joseph and in Joseph's life we see that Joseph first he became a slave in Egypt right and then after being a slave he became a servant in Potiphar's house after being a servant in Potiphar's house he became a manager of his house and after that yes he got in prison but in prison he became a manager of the prison right and then after that he became the second to Pharaoh in command and I'm thinking like wait well, if God really wanted Joseph at the very end to become the second in command, right, why didn't he just take him from, from uh, Canaan and just make him, right, the second in command all of a sudden? Just skip all those steps. No, because there's a teaching, teaching phase. There's a, there's a learning curve that God wants you to go through, right? Maybe today you're setting up chairs. Do it faithfully. Do it like Joseph did. Be a servant, be humble, do it all the time because there will come a time in your life when when you are doing something, as small as it is, you'll be faithful, someone is gonna notice your potential, someone's gonna notice you, you're putting in effort and they're gonna put you over more and more responsibilities, right? And take it as though God is doing it in your life, not man, not like the pastor called me to uh, ask me to do this favor, no, God is calling you, God works through people, God works through elders because why? God set those elders in place, those people didn't choose their, uh, their positions. They didn't appoint themselves. God appointed them. So live that way. Be active in church. Do something, anything, anything, but be active and do it faithfully. And number five, examine yourself. To know who you really are and what you like and dislike. Examine yourself. Look, at, look within yourself. In 2 Corinthians 13, 5, it says, examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith how do I know God's will for my life? Examine yourself. What you live for, what you do, what you think, why you think what you think. Is it for yourself or is it for others? Is it selfish or is it selfless? And live your life with that purpose in mind. Really quickly, these next few minutes, I want to go through three general wills that God has for you. Somewhere to get started. Maybe today you're saying, Andre, I don't know what God's will for me is. I don't know if I'm supposed to be, you know, a worship leader. I don't know if I'm supposed to be a preacher. I don't know if I'm supposed to be an administrator. I don't know if I'm a giver. I don't know if I'm an encourager. I just don't know where to start. Well, there's three things that you can start doing, and God is going to point you in the right direction. First is gratitude. This is the easiest of the three to do. It's an attitude Of grace, It's an attitude of happiness, an attitude of thanksgiving, right? It says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is whose will? God's will. It's God's will for your life that you give thanks in all circumstances, in Christ Jesus for you. That is his will for you. You may be going through struggles. You may be going through difficulties. I mean, looking at the life of Joseph, I'm sure when he was in the pit, when he was just laying there and his brothers have... You know, abandon him and he's about to die. He's probably thinking, why am I here? Like, I can't be grateful, I can't be thankful, right? But you as the reader, you can you can kind of step back and you can see, wait, Joseph, wait a little bit. They're gonna pull you out. Your life is gonna be spared and you're gonna go to Egypt, right? Okay, his life is spared. On the way to Egypt, he's thinking, man, I'm gonna be a slave for the rest of my life. They're gonna put a ball and chain in my leg. I'm gonna start, I'm gonna be a servant forever, they're probably gonna whip me. They don't like Jews, right? And you, looking at a bird's eye, can say, Joseph, just wait a little bit. You're, be- you're going to become a manager at Potiphar's house. You're going to have everything. Just wait a little bit. And I feel like sometimes or oftentimes God wants to say the same thing to you. Wait a little bit. Just be grateful for, for, the, for what you're in. Yes, it might be a struggle. Yes, it might be just uncomfortable. But wait a little bit. There's light at the end of the tunnel. I'm doing something in your life. Can you just trust me and give me thanks? The second one is to do good, to help others. 1 Peter 2:15 says, "For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of the foolish people." Doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Do good. It's a little bit harder than having an attitude of, of Thanksgiving, right? It's a little bit harder to do good. Uh, back in my time, I don't know, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, when I was a youth um, It was a good thing to be able to hold the door open for the ladies. It was a good thing to help them carry their groceries, right? Now I think you guys call it something like a a simp. Is that right? And it's like frowned upon to be a gentleman. I mean, I think that's really silly. I mean, if that is not the biggest retardant of getting married, I don't know what is, right? I mean... If this is the foundation you're laying for your future relationship with a spouse, oh, God help you. (laughs) You need to understand that you need to be a gentleman in your family, in your life. A man is someone that sacrifices. A man is someone that's willing to stand in the rain for his family, to open the door, to carry the heavy load. Not somebody that walks around like an alpha male sticking out his chest saying, you know, I ain't no simp right? That's not a biblical man. That might be cool with your friends, but that doesn't get you anywhere. I mean, you're collecting curses on yourself from other people, and I'm sure God's looking upon you and saying, man, that's my son. Uh." (laughs) I'm sorry. I think I went too far. I'm sorry, guys. Um, But in all honesty, it's, it's disheartening to know that such a thing exists in the youth, right? Be a gentleman. Don't care what other people think about you. Yeah, if they call you a, some sissy for opening up a door for a woman, say, all right, yeah, Jesus was the same. You, you, you're likening me to him. I'm a servant. Be a servant. Be a man. Do something that does good for other people. And don't care what other people think about you. Because if you spend your life thinking, what are people going to say? What are my friends going to say? You're, you're not going to have blessing in your life. You just won't. And the third one, and I'll finish off with this one, is to become holy. This is the hardest one of the three. First one is to be grateful. Be thankful for everything, because God knows what he's putting your life through. The second one is to do good. Do good, even if it's uncomfortable, even if people laugh at you. Regardless, do good. And the third one is to become holy, to work on yourself. 1 Thessalonians 4.3 says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification. is basically your washing. Your washing of yourself. If you notice something wrong about you, wrong about your life, something something, uh, an, an area of your life that you're dirty, that you're not, you're not, you fall short. Wash yourself with God's word. Wash yourself with God's grace. Ask him to forgive you and work on yourself because that is the will of God. And if we do those things, then we will end up living a life full of purpose. When we live a life full of purpose, we are most satisfied. You can ask any maybe not any, but most of the celebrities that have fame and power and money and prestige and abilities and talents and, and friends and just, just everything in their life, they are depressed because those things in and of themselves don't give you satisfaction in life. What gives you ultimate satisfaction in life is your purpose and your purpose is hidden in God's will. The purpose of life is to live a life of purpose. Amen? Let us stand up and pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you humbly, knowing and understanding full well that there